ruins and that. No, no, Finn. You can't be tired the day after Eurovision. You still have a final podcast today. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. You and Spence here on the Easy Insight final daily podcast. And you can tell why I'm so chipper. I've not had to do one of these every single day. Finn Ross Russell joins me. I join Finn Ross Russell. Well, there you go. A week on the ground at Eurovision, Finn. You look absolutely knackered. Oh, but so happy. <laughs> it's been wonderful. It's been really, really fantastic. And it's been a delight to get to experience it with all the amazing community. So, Liverpool itself, it's not your first time you've been there. What, what difference has Eurovision made to Liverpool? The city really embraced Liverpool in a way that has been utterly special. Liverpool was always going to be perfect for Eurovision in terms of its size, in terms of its walkability, in terms of how easy it is to get between the various locations. But what I didn't expect was the extent to which the restaurants and the cafes and the bars and all of the venues would really fall in love with Eurovision and use it as a means of welcoming people to their city. Now, for those of you wondering, what's it like having one real old timer onto the podcast? I've got great news for you. (laughs) I've got the person who has kept me in check for how many years, Charlene? It's going on 14 years now, isn't it? (laughs) Look, we we went back, what, 2009 all the way through, but this feels like Oslo. It does feel like Oslo. That's the one I compared it to. I think the the community has been uh, definitely in in high spirits the whole way through Eurovision. It's been really exciting. I also enjoyed this contest outside of the press bubble for the first time since Oslo. So I really did appreciate all that it put on in in the actual outside of the arena. But inside of the arena was also spectacular. You do have all the official events and Liverpool City Council have put in a a large investment and I'm sure people are going to question it, but that investment is going to come back four or five fold over the next four or five years in terms of tourist income, visibility. So yeah, that's a good investment. But there was also a lot of investment from the Eurovision community. We saw a lot of endeavours, we saw a lot of buildings, we saw more than one club and that was just such a rich tapestry of you know whatever you wanted it was there i think what i i feel i noticed was a bit of a changing of the guard actually on the uh, on the ground is that yes of course we we are seeing the same faces running the likes of euro club they've taken it over and you've got the uh, the ogae clubs but you've got these newer fans that are coming to the fore that have got so much energy and so many fresh ideas of what eurovision should be and that really excited me it that we're leaving it the legacy. I, I, this is possibly my last Eurovision, but geez, it just made me feel like there's more, more to it, and there's maybe another life in me as well. This contest has consistently evolved since 1956. You can tell because we're not in black and white, not in dinner suits. We don't have to sing two songs each. Would would mean we'd have to take up nine hours on a Saturday night just to get through everybody. But it, it's hard. It's still the same contest. We still go in. We still take. Well, in the case of a grand final, 26 different artistic visions and try and decide definitively which one is best. This is such a stupid idea, but we do it every single year. Finn, you were in the arena this time. Just what was it like? It was utterly surreal seeing so many fans 
from all around the place. I think when, when we talk about shows that go on TV, it's very easy for us to think of, oh, it's another arena. But being on UK soil with so many locals, Liverpool locals, so many people from around the UK had joined and so many people from around the world coming and sharing this experience together for those three shows was magical. And it, it, it offered a window into how the world really should be. And for me, for the arena, I mean, this is the smallest arena we've had since, what, Talon, maybe, or something oh. like that? It's like a long time. It's very small until we go back and go, oh, back in my day, which I'm only allowed to do once and I've done it. Yes. <laughs> but the atmosphere was electric, and I actually think that that was the loudest I'd heard a crowd ever at any Eurovision that I've been to. So it showed how much people were invested in it, how excited they were to be there. Speaking of investment, let's get on to our winning song. Um, also, we're at a service station just now in the middle of a bus trip. So this is kind of a bus cast, but it does mean that we can't go over every single song. So let's just take the top two. Um, and Lorraine, speaking of investment, they've been working on that for months, if not years, for that three minutes. That is just dedication. It, it's textbook planning. I... I... I can only think that that has been in the works for a couple of years. They've held it off, that maybe that song was in the wings, that they had Lorene sitting back going, you know what, there's a 50th anniversary coming and we could equal some records. And it's like, do we put it in one year before the 50th? It's like, yeah, there is that sense of the date rule does say that you can't have a song released before September the 1st. That doesn't mean you can't write it before September the 1st. That has probably just been sitting there quietly going, is this the year to bring out the biggest gun we have? No, 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 yeah. Is this? No, 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 Keneally this year. No, it, now. So when people talk about, oh, of course it was ordained that Sweden were going to win this year. No, but Sweden held back their best striker, their best formation to go for a football analogy because I will have another football analogy coming up shortly. <laughs> Sweden went, this is it. We're going at full power. Now, and you saw that in Lorraine's focus throughout rehearsals, throughout the press conference. She was staying in the moment, she was staying calm, and just now I need to do three minutes, now I need to rest. Absolutely, I mean, it, it's very hard to add anything to that. It was so well put together, it was so slick, it was so fluid. She got on that stage on the Saturday night and she was just in her element. And it says a lot that that's something that voters from across the continent connected with voted for it in their droves and that we can begin looking forward to to going back to Sweden and if there's one thing Sweden has shown us over recent Eurovision Song Contest that they've hosted it's that they love Eurovision they embrace it as a country and they are going to be thinking of all the cool and interesting ways that they can innovate with the system that already exists and is already brilliant and yeah we do have to look at the historical implication of Lorraine being the first performer to win twice in the modern televote era, does that make it a more impressive feat than when you won it twice in the televote era? Uh, we have to note that um, Thomas Gison and Peter Bostrom are now in the exclusive club of writers that have won two contests. Nobody's won three, so that one is still there on the cards. And we also have to note that Sweden is now a Time 7 winner. People have different feelings about the song. Obviously, all music is subjective, but what very few people will deny is that that team, that brilliant team of Lorraine, Thomas Jason, and Peter Bostrom, 
deserve to be able to say that they are double Eurovision winners. They have done so much amazing work over the course of their Eurovision career and they they deserve to go down in that Hall of Fame as, as Eurovision legends. Yeah. And the other thing I've been noticing on social media as well is the amount of uh, people, just ordinary viewers that are seeing this as sort of a, a rigged thing. But the problem is that I see it as pacing. This is about the pacing of the delegation and knowing and playing that gameplay. And this is a game. And one of the things to note about the Finnish team is they've not been here before. Mm. The Swedish team have got a lot of depth and experience and are, well, analogy time, they're match fit. This was essentially Finland's first cup run Mm. for a very long time. And it showed up for me because... Carrie was still chasing televotes in the last couple of days and expending energy trying to make sure people knew to vote. He already had those in the pocket. The delegation should have switched focus. And there's going to be a lot of going over what happened. Okay? But here's what we here's what we know. We had two very strong competitors who ran each other right to the wire. Both had different strategies and both would have been worthy winners. But at the end of the day, Eurovision is a very simple thing. You've got to score as many points as you can. They both scored as many points as they could. Sweden scored a few more. But we must not discount, not just to finish entry this year, but everything that it's seen in the last couple of years with the rise of UMK. Absolutely. And I think the other thing to note about Kaya's success in that televote is that it points towards the televote at Eurovision skewing younger which is very exciting for me as one of the newer generation people coming into the community because finally the music that I like is heading for the top of the scoreboards at Eurovision. And not only that, but we're getting towards this point where the music that's coming out is fresh, it's exciting, it's colorful. Kaya is not a traditional idea of what we view as a Eurovision entrant, but in a way that's what makes him perfect for Eurovision is that he's so out of the box and so different. And the fact is that just because he came second and just because that televote didn't ultimately carry him over the line doesn't take away from what I think is an absolute Cinderella story of a Eurovision journey that he's been on. And he is going to go down as a fan favorite for years. So we'll talk briefly about the televote, the jury vote, because this will be a point of intense and rich discussion over the summer. I believe that's how the phrasing goes. Um, Finn, you have quite strong views on this. Well, as someone who works in the arts and works specifically in community arts, so around this idea that art can change the world and art affects people, I believe art is for the people. And ultimately, therefore, the Eurovision Song Contest, as a show for audiences across the world, should be decided in terms of the result by its audience. And for me... (laughs) Yes, but it's a contest. There are two legs here, and these two countries had two different strategies. Sweden was, we're going to focus on the juries and get as many points there and hope the televote helps us. Finland did the exact opposite. We're piling up the televote. We hope we can lift it up with the juries. Finland did not lift it up with the juries. Sweden did lift it up with the televote. Now, there are questions, of course, of whether there should be a jury at all. That's, a, that's the next question. And all I can say is, if you didn't have a jury, Spain would have finished on six points, and that would have been an absolute travesty. And all the issues that were building up in the first decade of the 21st century that meant the juries had to arrive in 2009 to basically keep the contest as viable as it was, none of those have been solved. We will have more on this on Insight over the summer. Let's briefly talk in the United Kingdom. Charlene, we've seen this time and time again. Delegation wins, delegation hosts, delegated entry. 
doesn't score very well. Why? That's a really good question. I, I, I really feel what it comes down to more is that Sam Ryder was a once-in-a-lifetime superstar for, for the UK. He came with the right attitude, with the right song at the right time. And I don't think that May was the the right follow-up to it. That's that's it. Like, it was just not the right song at the right time. That result that Sam Ryder got last year, it was eight different boxes that Sam Ryder... Or not eight specifically, but a lot of different boxes. It was the artist. It was the song. It was the attitude to Eurovision. It was the promo work. It was the staging. Mm. It was the vocals that were delivered to the jury. It was the connection down the camera. Sam Ryder hit all of those things. And that is what got him to second. I Wrote a Song is a fantastic song. It was my personal favorite of this year. And if this was a radio song contest that was only based on the studio version, I think that's one of the 10 best songs. But it's not. We listened with our eyes at Eurovision and the package didn't tick the boxes it needed to in comparison to some of the other countries. And when I say the right time, I'm talking also about running order. That running order did not help her. And I think it really did hinder her potential results because it felt like it was tacked on to the show. And for me, there is actually another element here, which is the delegation that was intensely focused on Sam Ryder last year is now intensely focused on trying to put on the biggest entertainment show in the world at slight, at, what, seven months' notice by the time everything got through. So there, you know, there's no slack in that system. Some things have to go. And in the case of this, it was, you know, can we take another couple of weeks to go through May's video? No, we've got to do a video all for the Interval Act. We've got to sort out car parking permits. We've got to work out which coffee supplier we're going to use. Eurovision is so big, I think that one of the issues is the delegations that get a successful song are suddenly broken apart and they have to be put together again. And it takes time to get a team put together and working brilliantly. And we lost Sam's team to put on a great contest. Again, lots of things to think about. We've got to watch to make sure that we catch our bus out this car park. We're going to finish up with uh, just our sort of favourite moments from the week. Yes. So I want to say my favourite moment, and this is going back on running order as well, between Finland and then going Czechia, Australia, Belgium. If you were in that arena, that is the biggest party that you would ever be to, like, go to. It was electric. And you know what? Results of all of those, top 10. 15 minutes of perfect Eurovision joy. Yes. Finn. For me, the moment of the contest was the reaction that May Muller got after that entry because, you know what, clearly she didn't land competitively as much as maybe she would have wanted to or as much as maybe people in the UK might have hoped, but the crowd absolutely loved it and they got behind her and they were incredibly supportive and I just think that that's indicative of the love that exists in this contest, not just for May, but for Eurovision more widely. And for me, it's, 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 it's Vin Diesel. It's hashtag family because much as Turin was outside of lockdown, Turin was still a lockdown Eurovision. We were still very much restricted. Very few people travelled. We haven't been together, the Eurovision community, as, as an actual family together since Tel Aviv. And not a lot of people travelled to Tel Aviv. So arguably we haven't had everybody on the ground since Portugal in 2018. 
and it's been a rough couple of years. Personally, it's been a rough couple of years for all the team on Insight and everybody that we know in the entire world. So to, to have that feeling of everybody in this lovely little campus, everything was so close together. You could walk between hotels and bars and restaurants and Euroclub and Eurocafes and the event itself and the press room and everything. And you just, I just kept on bumping into people that I hadn't seen since the before times. And being able, you know, it's just like, are, are we hugging? We're hugging. And if we're not, it's like, ah, oh, are we just having coffee? Yeah, we're just having coffee. Great. That feeling of family and friendship and community is unrivaled in any other event that I do. And to have that back again just felt right. Yeah. My, my, my one moment is a single moment that lasted over a week, which is, yeah, this works. Don't make me cry, Ewan. <laughs> the family is very important. I'm fairly new into the family, but it's so beautiful to be part of it. And I agree, this is, this is a wonderful community to be a part of. So for all of you out there who've been listening for a ridiculously long time, thank you very much. Uh, do keep reading, do keep listening. Uh, do keep writing do keep looking at all the other podcasts and websites and youtubes and social media out there it's going to be a long summer we all have lots to talk about we've all made many more connections uh, and we should just build on those because in a way that's why this contest is here it's not just to bring together nations it's not just to understand other people it's not just to test new technology it's to build bonds between people it's to take people who don't know or understand each other and go look it's okay it's to be representing people on a stage it's to to hold up a mirror so people can see it's it's okay to think how you feel because others think and feel that way as well mm. and it's a wonderful wonderful world to be in and yeah I'm, I'm going to come back down to hashtag family but I am going to add just another hashtag onto that and I'm just going to add hashtag friends um, mm. or maybe that should be hashtag friends arena Oh, no, no. We're not going there, are we, already? Oh, we can't decide already. <laughs> we, can't, we, we can't just sit here and go, see you in Friends Arena next year, can we? See you in Stockholm. Wherever we end up, it's going to be a fantastic show. There's more to talk about in the contest. There's more to go over the results. There's more to go over what we're looking forward to. But for now, um, Finn's going to realise that when I put the microphone off, I run out of energy and get knackered as well it happens far faster now than it did a decade ago but it is wonderful to have everybody around so thank you to Finn Russell for the podcast and the week pleasure as always thank you to Charlie Wright for the podcast and the decade and a half thank you Ewan and thank you out there be it for the last 17 minutes or however long the Eurovision Song Contest is you thank you for letting us in <laughs>